0: Sometimes it's a lovely bake, but sometimes it's a bit dreadful. Hello and welcome to the Gingham Altar. I'm Mac.
1: And I'm Megan. Every week we tackle another episode of everyone's favorite baking competition, The Great British Bake Off. And after we've set our piece, we try to put our bakes where our mouths are and replicate some of the recipes from today's episode.
0: This week we'll be talking about Season 5, Episode 4. That's right, it's Dessert Week.
1: Otherwise known as the Week of Bin-Gate.
0: Yes, this is perhaps the most infamous episode in all of Great British Bake Off history?
1: Dramatic. It's really dramatic. It's more like the kind of drama you're expecting from an American reality show. You know, like some Survivor-esque drama. I watched Rock of Love when I was in college, and it was kind of like that. Except with old people in Baked Alaska.
0: I can totally see that. This is absolutely the the episode that feels the most like it could be from an American cooking show.
1: But it's weird, too. Yeah. because. The truth does not, at least I don't think the truth probably came out to the judges until after the episode wrapped. But we'll get to that later. Anyway, sorry.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the showstopper when we get there. The other thing I wanted to say about Dessert Week that has always blown my mind about this show is Dessert Week sometimes feels like this is the miscellaneous week.
1: I wrote in my notes something to the effect of, what do they mean by dessert?
0: I was like, so we've got a pudding and a cake but that's not a cake week cake. And yeah. Then yeah. an ice cream on top of a cake, which is also not a cake week cake, apparently. No.
1: <laughs> it's just sort of like weird shit. And sometimes they've had pudding weeks, which are is it it's, its own term with its own definition, which I think of a pudding as wet cake.
0: I, I never really know what this week is supposed to hold, because to me, so much of what... We, like I've said in the past, I don't do a lot of savory baking. Baking is for dessert. Right. Pretty much hard stop.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. Anything sweet is dessert. That's our phrase. Like, that's that's what the word dessert means to me, anyhow, and obviously to you, too. So they should have just called it Random Shit Week because that is what they made.
0: It started off dessert week with a signature bake to make eight self-shushing puddings. <laughs>
1: So-so-shing. So-so-shing. <laughs> like, I have no idea what they're imitating when Mel and Sue say that I don't know but I
0: had a lot of fun listening to them to say it
1: <laughs> like, 300 times <laughs> <laughs> it didn't get old to them either they were very much about it
0: I will say, I don't know if it's because I'm dumb or because I'm American or what it is. I had the hardest time wrapping my head around what this challenge was.
1: I thought I got it, but then Luis made that weird pear thing, which isn't at all what I thought it was. And I remember you texted me earlier and were like... What is this? And I told you, I thought it was kind of like a chocolate lava cake. This is a really terrible name, but at a store where I worked, they sold a cake mix that was called the Tunnel of Fudge Cake. Oh. Fudge Tunnel. I know. I don't I don't know who was in charge of the naming <laughs> fudge process. Fudge Tunnel Cake. Yeah. The Tunnel of Fudge Cake. And it was like- That's
0: going to come out your Tunnel of Fudge.
1: Exactly. Eventually. Give it time. The idea was that it was a bunt or like some sort of a ring mold, and then there would be a- tunnel a sort of a channel of fudge running through the middle and you would cut it open and it would sort of puddle out which honestly probably just because we were making references to fudge tunnels doesn't sound super appetizing
0: the other one who had something kind of weird looking was diana who served hers in like teacups Which and i guess she baked
1: them in those teacups i think so yes
0: and so well first off i was like how did your teacups not like shatter in the oven but also and they're like, oh, it's a surprise pudding. What? We didn't really get a chance to see it. We just saw like what kind of came out on a spoon. And I was like, y'all need to get that camera up in there. I can't see.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm not sure how she put it in or if it was meant to puddle at the bottom.
0: And I think that the general conceit of the ones that weren't fondants is that the sponge would cook and it would rise and the liquid would fall, would drip down and wouldn't cook all the way. So that was kind of what... Chetna and Louise and Diana were all looking for.
1: Which is more like the, the, ch- the molten lava cake.
0: Uh, the other thing was, that's not what we call fondant in the States.
1: No, fondant is a gross sheet that tastes like nothing.
0: Yeah, it's, it's an almond paste material that you put on the outside of cakes to make them easier to decorate. This is cake that has a sauce in the middle of it.
1: Which, honestly, is much more exciting.
0: It really was. I thought that the, the ones that really worked made great TV.
1: Which ones are you thinking of that really worked?
0: Even though like Martha's was a little stodgy with the peanut butter, just quick side note, they hate peanut butter.
1: They do! And that's so weird for an American.
0: Yeah, I was like, you can totally put that on their hate list. They always think that it's dry and claggy. But cutting into hers there was just a pouring river of stuff coming out of hers Mm -hmm. that was pretty dramatic yeah And and i think that that was successful but then it would seem like sometimes it was a bit like moist but they wouldn't count it as a sauce like nancy yes and then sometimes it was a bit moist and they could kind of push the sauce out and they would count it like richard
1: and that felt kind of cheaty. Like, yeah, where they sort of like said, oh, well, if you had cut it this way, it would have worked. Like, mm,
0: yeah, did say that
1: for everybody. That was a little, that felt like fudging it, if you will pardon the
0: expression. <laughs> Decorating these, I thought was an interesting little conundrum for a lot of people. Mm, mm-hmm. There were some where the, like kind of read Louis's straight up and down. They, they did not like it. But I thought it looked really cool with the pair in the middle.
1: Of course. Yeah, with it poking out of the top.
0: Yeah, it looked like a cool little pie. And then I thought that Richard's, they seemed to like the flavor of it a lot better, but it literally was just the cake out of the mold with some sugar dusted over the top of it.
1: Yes. And you know, there is something to be said for not gilding the lily, I guess. Maybe that's me talking as more of a home baker. I see that and I think, well, Maybe it wasn't meant to be. I, I don't know. Do you think that that's kind of cheaty or that it's just not a challenge? that's really suited to decorating.
0: I have feelings about this because this is the challenge that I took on this week. And I certainly made some decisions based on trying to up the game to make it show worthy.
1: Um. Well, I can tell that we're going to differ on our approach this week then because mine was like, what corners can I cut? Like, right? But go ahead.
0: I don't know, like I never really can tell, especially in these kind of middle weeks where they're starting to ask them to up their game, but it's not quite there yet, how much that they're really looking for. It seems like they liked some of them, but nobody, outside of like, they really like the flavor of Richards, nobody really blew them away.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Like, I didn't make any notes about anybody's being amazing or bad. The only note I made was that Kate and Diana seem to have killed it.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Kate did do a really good job.
1: Kate did a bang-up job, but I think hers was the one where, like, they gave it a little push and were like, we're going to call that self-saucing. They liked it, and we didn't get a close enough look at Diana's, but I really loved her presentation. To me, that looks like my idea of English.
0: It looked very, like, British tea.
1: Yes, and that sort of vibe, I think, is big in the show, and so seeing somebody do something that was so fancy and in a, in a teacup. I mean,
0: come on. And I thought that, you know, there was an interesting dichotomy between people about people who were either they served up their stuff in what they baked it in or people who were trying to serve it separate. Mm. And I thought that that presented kind of two different challenges, you know, like trying to get something out of your container's so uh, the only other thing about the showstopper, and it kind of happened right before that, is at the very top of the show, when they're introducing the self saucing puddings, Paul and Mary are standing up there, but Paul only has like the first two knuckles of his fingers in his pants pockets. What? Why? Are you wearing women's pants?
1: Yeah, that's a lady move.
0: I was like, you're standing. That's a weird choice.
1: Uh, yeah, that is an odd choice. Like what? What was? Who knows? It's funny that you noticed something like that.
0: I kind of even paused it and I was like, okay <laughs> I was like, I mean you do you that's fine but that's that's a weird way to stand on TV
1: while we're on the topic of women's pants they're terrible and <laughs> they're garbage and when the boyfriend jeans become like they're already not at the height. Of style just now, but when they go out all the way, I quit. I quit on jeans.
0: No more. 99% Invisible recently did a series of shows uh, called Articles of Interest, which are all about how clothes are made. Ooh. And there's a whole episode on pockets and how basically, like, pockets, when they first came about, were satchels that you would wear under your clothes. And you would just have, like, a hole in your garments and so you could reach into your pocket. And women always had the biggest pockets— and it wasn't until women's wear started to take cues off of men's wear and they just used the same pattern, size down, so that minimized the size of the pockets, that they started to get really small in women's clothes.
1: Well, what the hell? I want them back.
0: If you're at all interested in fashion, the it's a great series and I would highly recommend it to people. Let's get that
1: title one more time.
0: Sure. It's uh, Articles of Interest on the 99% Invisible podcast feed. It'll be in the show notes. Okay.
1: Awesome. That's so on my list. Because I do sew.
0: Oh, right. Yeah, you definitely be right up in there because they also talk about Aloha shirts <gasps> and they talk about jeans and they talk about punk fashion. Oh, so amazing. yeah, it it was really, really well done. Uh, it was one of their longtime staff members, Avery Truffleman. It was kind of her first time at the helm as she knocked it out of the park. Anyway, transitioning kind of out of the showstopper into the technical. I love Nancy in an interview when it didn't go well because <laughs> she is always <laughs> So defiant.
1: She's like, he's wrong.
0: Right. Wrong she it. she defends her <laughs> stuff. as She's like, it's a pudding. You eat it in like two minutes. Who cares if there's a sauce? You're not even going to notice it in a minute. <laughs> she's real. That is a lifetime of telling people to sit down and eat what you put in front of them.
1: <laughs> You're right. That's a total mom slash grandma move. Like, <laughs> Shut up. Just eat it. Mm. You'll eat it and you'll like it. Oh, what <laughs> you will it? like it. There's a phrase, um, you'll get what you get and you won't throw a fit. I think I've seen that, like, on some cutesy thing in an antique store. And I decided that that's going to be said to Helen Oot many a time.
0: Oh, we used to say on the after school program I ran, you get what you get and you don't get upset.
1: Yeah, that's it. You're not owed anything. No. And Mary.
0: <laughs> Must not be too much further out from here that she starts calling him the male judge.
1: Yeah. <laughs> He enrages her. Ugh, that's too funny.
0: <laughs> so then we've got a Mary Berry recipe for the technical. They get two and a half hours to make a tiramisu cake.
1: Ooh, buddy. And I really sympathized with the contestants because it's hard to do an, a recipe where everything is soft. Yeah. Everything is like gloopy liquidy. And somehow it's still supposed to be precise or look precise at the end when none of the components seem inclined toward precision.
0: And something that I've always sympathized with is when you have to split apart a sponge that is like fingernail width tall.
1: What the hell is that? I've never seen what? Why wouldn't you do two separate sponges? Thank you.
0: That's what I was thinking. (laughs) So um, both Richard and Ian both restart their cake sounds like why didn't you just keep the flat one and make another flat one yeah
1: <laughs> there's got to be a reason i guess but maybe there. i don't know
0: i assume that you're looking for like a lighter structure inside the cake and so like a shorter cake with the same amount of ingredients is going to be dense
1: yeah anytime it's split this cake horizontally i think <laughs> like, how about not that yeah that didn't seem particularly possible a lot of people oddly enough had problems with their coffee saturation Which I thought was weird. I mean, like, why did that not work?
0: I don't know. Because it seemed like they gave them kind of a set amount. And, you know, especially with tiramisu, kind of more is more with the coffee and the brandy.
1: I have a confession to make. Ever since I made that first Mary Berry recipe for our first episode and it turned out so poorly, I have been avoiding doing Mary Berry technicals. It's true. Every time it's like, well, it's a Mary Berry recipe, and I just don't know. And so, What
0: if it's terrible again?
1: Yeah, it's like, well, I want to at least eat a bite and enjoy it. And so that's where we are right now.
0: This seems like the most finicky way possible to make tiramisu.
1: To stack it in a pan? Yeah.
0: Well, but then it has to set because you're going to take it out, out. And why not make a real tiramisu with ladyfingers?
1: Yeah, because that would have been a good challenge, too. Like, if you had to make your own.
0: I mean, I know that they were testing them on, like, the even layers and the chocolate work and all that. Like, Precision. I get. Yeah, I get why this makes a good technical challenge. But this seemed like something that no real person would ever really make.
1: Yeah, and I have Mary Berry's. One of her cookbooks, the the big one. I I bought it after falling in love with the show, and it's in there. And I looked at it and thought, no, ma'am. So
0: it is not the most finicky thing that we're going to see them do in a technical challenge.
1: No, unfortunately, it only gets wilder from here, which I'm a little concerned about, honestly, for my own sake.
0: Yeah, I was kind of looking forward, and we've got some interesting things to kind of go through.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I'm going to softball myself. Every chance I get, just a fair warning, because it's, like, some, anything that ends with a tort. Uh, <laughs> any, if it has the word tort in it, just be afraid. Be very afraid.
0: My thing is, I have a hard pass on all custards. Ooh. Because Dale doesn't eat eggs.
1: Wait, he doesn't even eat them in custard form?
0: Dale has said that anything that has, like, an eggy sort of, like, taste to it, he's never liked. Oh. And so, like, a, just a pure custard has a pretty eggy quality to it. That's true. And so I don't want to, like, make a huge custard tart or something and then it'll literally just be me who needs to eat it.
1: I love eggs from my head down to my legs. <laughs> uh, you know you remember that. <laughs> I, God, I really do. Ryan and I have eggs every morning.
0: Everybody's got their stuff that they don't like.
1: I don't like um, anything wiggly.
0: Let's see, I, I don't like a lot of vegetables. <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> the truth comes out.
0: Probably my biggest thing that I don't like is I don't like coconut.
1: I love coconut. I I think that
0: shaved coconut is fine. Like if it's like browned in like a Samoa or like a German chocolate cake or something. Mm -hmm. But like coconut water makes me want to hurl. Oh,
1: well, that's pretty easy to avoid.
0: You would think it would be easy to avoid. Both of the years that I lived in Los Angeles, I did the AIDS walk out there. And both years that I did the AIDS walk, I forgot that it's not a 5K, it's a 10K. Uh Uh-oh. And so we'd get to the three mile part and I'd be getting ready to be done and I'd be like, We're not anywhere near where we started. Oh, no. Oh, no. And one year at all of the water stations, they had gotten some beverage company to like sponsor them. Oh, no. And they didn't have real water. They only had coconut water. So you also associate it
1: with being exhausted and so (laughs) thirsty and hungry and annoyed and really wishing you had never done this for all the poor people with AIDS. (laughs) I know exactly what... I'm trying to think if I have anything that I feel that way about, like, ugh, this tastes, like, horrible. Probably like Gatorade. I worked on a farm, and they would have Gatorade to drink sometimes rather than
0: water. I love Gatorade. Ugh. Especially that yellow color that just tastes like the color yellow. Oh no. <laughs> Why?
1: They recommend that, oddly enough. There's an old wives' tale that's supposed to be good for lactation, so...
0: See... I've always thought that if you're the sort of person who refers to Gatorade or Powerades by their flavor name instead of by their color, you're a serial killer.
1: (laughs) It's purple. It's purple. Right.
0: Could you give me some red Gatorade? Nobody should know that it's like screaming raspberry.
1: No. No. You are absolutely correct in this. Like, the screaming raspberry. (laughs) It's screaming because it's that bad. In fact, I remember... I was trying really hard to breastfeed and it wasn't going well. And somebody gave me the recommendation like, oh, they say if you drink Gatorade, that that's supposed to really help with your production because electrolytes or something. I was like, not worth it. I really want to feed my child, but at the same time, no.
0: So Martha ends up winning the technical.
1: Get it, Martha, you cutie. And in the same episode where she's like, compared to the rest of my life, this is actually fun.
0: This is the simple part of my life right now.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Well, but good for her for keeping a you know a baking show in perspective.
1: True, true story, and it's <laughs> it's just nice to see nice people do well. Did you notice who was at the bottom?
0: So it was Diana and Norman at the bottom.
1: And Diana said something about that I kind of felt her on, which was like, "I'm seeing that I'm a home baker, and that might right. be my
0: downfall." And Norman's is basically the same thing. I'm I'm a bit simple, and you know, he keeps talking boss. how he's he yeah he's like I'm going to up my game. And it's like, well, you did up your game, but like. You gotta keep going, man.
1: You made the most classic thing imaginable and did it really well, but it's still just classic and that's not what they're shooting for with this show. And... It made me really sad actually jumping ahead a little bit because in a lot of the challenges he's been like I'm giving him what they're asking for like yeah this is going to knock it out of the park and then he gets the exact same criticism he got before and he's like goes into it confident and excited and like really happy with what he did and then he gets pooped on again and I really don't like that for poor Norman cuz he's so cute
0: and, but before we move into the showstopper uh, I've got you know some of my random quotes from this week get it We've got the gentle pad of lady moccasins.
1: <laughs>
0: I've gone a bit OTT with this.
1: Well, I don't know what OTT is.
0: I just looked it up. It's over the top. This knife is really aggressive. <laughs> and something that I've just started picking up and saying in my real life, because I love it, is I need to get a wiggle on.
1: <gasps> yes. Oh, where did I first hear that? Oh! <gasps> Ooh, another British series. Have you ever watched Raised by Wolves? No. It was written or co-written by the Moran sisters. Are you familiar with Caitlin Moran by any chance? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. How to be a woman.
1: Exactly. And she and her sister co-wrote it and it's loosely based on their upbringing and it's hilarious. The idea is that there's a single mom raising, I think, five or six children At home, and they're all homeschooled, but mostly because she's a little bit different, and she is kind of an anarchist, I guess? Like, a little bit of a doomsday prepper, maybe? And they're all insane, and it's wonderful. And it's on Acorn. Cool. And you should watch it, because I get the feeling you, being from a somewhat batty family, might get it. (laughs) We're both from kind of batty families.
0: Did you have any random quotes you wanted to throw out there?
1: I did not write any down this time. I must have been focused on something else. I was too focused on the showstopper this time, honestly.
0: Well, then let's get into it. Let's do it. So the showstopper this week is a baked Alaska in any variety you want to make it in four hours.
1: Which is insane. I did the baked Alaska this week and came nowhere close in four hours. We've done other challenges where... When we tried them, we realized that the time limits were actually pretty generous. This is not one of those times.
0: And they're doing it in an unair conditioned tent on the hottest day of the year. Yes. I mean, I know you got to plan in advance so that they can prepare and practice and all of that. But this was just bad production work.
1: It was terrible. The whole way through.
0: It, like, it seemed like everybody had problems. And, you know, on top of it, a baked Alaska is just weird. Really? It's I've never seen one in real life.
1: Okay. Well, I have, and it was fun. It was really, really good actually. So I feel pretty good about it. However, after having a slice, I did want to brush my teeth immediately from the sheer sugar of it.
0: Yeah. I bet it's super sweet.
1: Oh boy. The meringue, like because you've got cake, ice cream, and then meringue on top and meringue is just egg whites and sugar.
0: And some people added stuff that had even more sugar in it.
1: Exactly. And so I don't know how, I, I mean, it was amazing. But
0: And the Baked Alaska was originally created, because I looked it up, it was originally created to commemorate Alaska being purchased for the United States.
1: Yes. At Delmonico's Restaurant? Yes. Yes. Which is also responsible for the cut of steak being named a Delmonico.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: I would love to go to Delmonico someday. It's probably like old and crappy and not good anymore, but I don't care because... Just knowing they invented two things that are now like common lingo in the food world. That's pretty exciting.
0: So what did you think of this challenge?
1: It was sadistic. I mean, we've already been over how difficult it was. Everyone, by the time they presented, everyone's is melting like crazy. And the way the Alaska works is you have to get all of your components quite cold because at the end you're using a blowtorch to toast the meringue on the outside. So you're having to bake essentially or broil a frozen cake but they can't get their stuff frozen because it's not cold enough. And I did feel like in the judging the judges were considerate. They definitely, like, Chetna gave them a pretty sad-looking baked Alaska. And they were still like, wow, that, you know, you did great. The flavors are wonderful. Check.
0: They say the flavors are wonderful. Did you catch that she made a cardamom ice cream?
1: Yes. Ugh. Yeah? Ugh. You don't like cardamom?
0: Cardamom cilantro, correct?
1: No, you're thinking of coriander.
0: Cor- oh, okay. Never mind. I mixed up my okay. sea spices. <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> Because I was like, but so it tastes know. like the top of a taco? Ew.
1: <laughs> that would be terrible. Oh, my God. Cilantro ice cream. <laughs>
0: I mean, I know they make, like, garlic ice cream, but I was like, I know you like your flavors, but you need to step back. Okay. <laughs> cardamom. Actually, lovely. that sounds lovely. Never mind.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's it. <laughs> but yeah, so Chetna did... um. Oh, and I actually made a little note about her. Her memories of her mother's cooking in India always seem so beautiful and dreamlike to me because yeah. she's like, oh, in the summer, you would know it was summer when all the mangoes came into season and my mom made loads of ice cream, just batch after batch of ice cream. And I'm just imagining like it's hot outside and, you know, there are all these little barefoot kids running around and mom's making mango ice cream and uh, it's just magical. Well, she's and, also
0: making crackers because in week two, she said that her mom all just constantly had a supply. Of those crackers she made
1: I don't think mom ever left the kitchen
0: no she and she must have been a machine
1: yeah because those are both pretty work intensive Chetna's childhood I just want to live it I imagine lots of like billowing mosquito netting and like the hum of insects but none of them ever bite you <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is getting a little eat possible. pray love
1: yeah well I, I think that I'm I'm mixing it up with that movie um the very beginning of the secret garden where okay. she's in India, except that was a terrible part of the movie, so I don't know why it seems magic-y to me. But anyhow, you get the idea. I, I want to live Chetna's childhood.
0: My favorite look from a judge this week... I know what wh- it's going to
1: be. Is it Mary?
0: It is Mary.
1: Was she looking at some black sesame seed ice cream? She was! <laughs> I-, I wrote that shit down. Mary's look of the week.
0: Ooh. <laughs> she is not not featuring this.
1: It was a long stare too. It was she was staring it down. It was and
0: like, honestly, like from the angle we were looking at it, it kind of just looked like a cookies and cream ice cream to it me. Did it didn't look, look that, that weird.
1: Yeah, it must have looked pretty weird to them though, because she was like, mm-mm. <laughs> yeah. Maybe
0: it was grayer up close. And that that's not a good food color.
1: No, nobody should well, I don't know, is there any gray food? Oysters? I guess. I don't want yeah. to your ice cream. I,
0: I don't really eat those though. Yeah, I was like, is not a really common food color. No,
1: for a good reason. I definitely wrote that down. I thought as soon as you said it, I was like, I bet it I bet it is. Norman, bless his heart, was so excited about his vanilla ice cream. And even I as know. he was saying it, I was like, Vanilla? Really? <laughs> like come on. But he did vanilla, of course, and he loved it. And they were like, maybe a bit more vanilla. And he was so excited about it. And
0: he said, At least he added some strawberries. He like, there was a little bit more to it.
1: That's true. He, he did have a coolie in there. And it was a really pretty like shape and decoration. He did a good job with it.
0: I thought so too. I thought that Nancy's was also really pretty. I thought that two-toned meringue was a really good touch.
1: Definitely. that was That was a showstopper. Some of them weren't, but that one was.
0: I liked the idea behind Diana's, like, having, like, a swan and a shape and, like, doing something besides, this is a cake. Yep. Yeah. I thought that that was a pretty good idea. Same with Louise's, which was a bit more shapely.
1: Mm-hmm. Shapely. Mm. Do you want to get into Bin Gate?
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess that is the name of the game. <laughs> We've kind of danced all around it and said everything else we need to say about this challenge. All right. If you go and you read about what really happened, mm-hmm. on the show it looks like... That he, they were like, oh, we need space for our thing. And so we're just going to take this out because this is not where it should have been. Yes. And so that's the way it's kind of cut together. At and one then, point,
1: Diana says, you've got your own freezer, haven't you? Right. And the suggestion there is that everyone had their own freezer space. And he was using freezer space that didn't belong to him.
0: So you may have noticed in a couple of the cutaway shots that there are some deep, like, chest freezers that they're using throughout this episode and not the stand-up freezers that are normally dotted around the perimeter of the thing. Apparently, like, if you, like, go in and, like, kind of look at the tea of what happened, three of those refrigerators were broken this week. Jesus, fuck. And so, the freezer space was at a heavy premium, probably the most vital week ever for it. Yes. And most of the people who are around say that his... Bait, his stuff was out of the freezer for less than 60 seconds. what mm. like, like, it had literally, like, just been taken out, he asked about it, they got it, you know, and then all the stuff went down. So, it wasn't like it was out long enough for it to turn completely to soup if it were fine. It was already not headed in a good direction.
1: Oh, yeah. You saw that the second he got his ice cream out and, like, packed it on top of his sponge... So he did his ice cream, he tried to freeze it, it was still liquid, he put it on top of his sponge and had it in a ring mold trying to hold it all together, and then he stuck it in the freezer, which is when Diana took it out.
0: I really, at the end of the day, kind of blame the production for this.
1: Yes. Because Diana got, like, death threats.
0: Yeah, and that's, you know, nobody should ever get death threats over a TV show. Really?
1: About baking.
0: And she ends up, between this episode and the next, she drops out. And it's not... Because of this, because it hadn't aired yet. So, I mean, she wouldn't have known what the the huge response would have been. But she actually had an illness that affected her ability to smell and to taste. And so they kind of both leave this week. So there's the story kind of wraps itself up. Mm
1: -hmm. I would still say I agree with Ian when he says, why would you take ice cream out of the freezer?
0: She never should have touched it.
1: It was unsportsmanlike.
0: Right. If it's not your thing, go find a PA. That's what they're there for. Right. And they'll solve that problem. I also don't think you needed to chuck the whole thing in the bin. I mean, you could have looked around the room and been like, "Oh, there's a lot of bullshit out here."
1: Yeah, it was a hissy fit.
0: But I, I mean, but I completely understand being so upset.
1: Yeah, and like his response, his because he had been frustrated that whole day because he, he had a rough time getting his fondants together, and his response to stress seemed to be really physical, like a lot of just sort of, like, having to set something down and step away so he doesn't throw it across the room, which I can really relate to as a person who does crafts or bakes. and Because you do get to this point where, like, your hands are shaking. You're so mad.
0: And so, I mean, it was not the most professional moment, you know, and I'm certain not something that he wanted to have on TV.
1: No, but at the same time, he didn't, like, start screaming at Diana or anything, which I would understand as wanting to.
0: No, he was had that very, you know british stiff upper lip
1: he just turned really red in a way that makes one nervous
0: you know and he walked away but he came back before like it was time for judging or anything like that you know he was willing to participate in the rest of the show
1: yeah i didn't think he was unsportsmanlike after the moment of being really angry and he even says toward the end that he des- The way he described it, he felt like he would have been so embarrassed to have put what he had in front of the judges that he would rather present nothing.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a completely legitimate response.
1: Yeah, and he just, he he was embarrassed, and that's where it came from. Not that he was so pissed off or like, he wasn't like throwing things or being a jerk. And he gets so red and almost teary when the judges are like why didn't you give us anything to taste? Why didn't you give us anything to try? And he's such a manly man that I was glad he didn't cry on TV. I was so glad.
0: There was a, a moment of shade from Mary earlier in the judging where, you know, Chetness comes out and it does not look good. Mm. But, uh and she's like, but you've still got a smile on your face and that's what it's all about. <sighs> and it's Weesh. like, it, it should probably could have been like, Ian, I'm talking to you.
1: Yeah. And to me, I feel like no one gave the judges a heads up that someone took his out of the freezer. And that there's this big question mark about whether it was his fault or not. Because they talk about it like they had no idea that anybody touched his shit.
0: Even though this is a nicer reality show, all reality TV is produced. So who knows?
1: But the way they talk about it just seemed kind of ignorant.
0: And and maybe they didn't know when they were judging, but I think by the time they, like, got back to the smaller tent, mm. somebody would have given them a heads up. I
1: would have hoped so.
0: But I think that it ha- kind of boils down to, you know, it's either going to be him or Norman going home.
1: Yeah. And it didn't make sense for it to be Norman when he threw his stuff in the bin.
0: Right. I was like, at least Norman presented something. I understand that Ian's upset and maybe it wasn't 100% fair, but I kind of agree that, you know, he had to go. Because you can't get a free pass just because you got upset.
1: Some people argue that they shouldn't have sent anyone home that day. What's your thought on that? Would that have been fair to the other participants?
0: I think if he had presented something and they were like, you know, and hey, there were shenanigans and so we can't get a true read, Mm -hmm. that's one thing. Yeah. But the fact that he showed nothing so they can't even be like oh you had the driest sponge of the week and your meringue is burnt to shit or whatever Mm -hmm. they can't assume that he would have done any better that he wouldn't have been last place you know if if his ice cream was all melty and it was a weird flavor maybe it would have been the worst regardless he'd not been somebody who had been at the front of the ranks anyway i think it's unfortunate that this is the way that it had to go down
1: it casts kind of a pall over the season if i'm not maybe not over the whole season but it's definitely one of the first things i think about when i think about this season
0: i'm glad that it happened kind of this early Mm. and it does give a chance later on in the season for there to be a double save which is usually how they do it if somebody has to drop out for illness um, or something i don't know i think that norman probably would have gone home this week and then it probably would have been ian next week
1: because he was so clearly struggling with the difficulty level of the challenges, as in yeah, and it's about and to really minutes. kick up. Yeah, yeah, it was not in keeping with the general tone of the show.
0: Is there anything else you want to say about Ben Gate, the showstopper, or this episode at all?
1: Richard won Star Baker.
0: He did second time.
1: Did you think it was fair?
0: Ish. Ish. To me, it's the-
1: usually between Richard and Louise.
0: Yeah, they seemed to like him, and they seemed to like Richard a bit more, mm. and Luis's signature was kind of not great, and then Everybody's Back to Alaska was, you know... Melting? <laughs> yeah, you just needed to get through it, so...
1: Yeah, yeah. Richard was okay, Ian got cut, it wasn't at like a cut-and-dried, easy, I agree, kind of episode, but it was interesting, and I think that poor production definitely got in the way there and also anyway we've covered it all it's one of those things you can talk and talk and talk about which if if you're a big baking nerd
0: what would you have done if it was up to you to decide how this would have all been resolved
1: first of all i would have done i don't know but my first thought was like could they have postponed the challenge and it's like well you can't control the weather you can't control the fact that you've decided to do the show outside the freezer's failing seems pretty bad production-wise, but I'm sure it was one of those things like, we've got to roll today, or it's going to cost a squillion dollars. So, I guess it would have been the same thing. I might have tried to wipe it from the show completely when they were doing the editing. Like, not to put the thing about it having been left out on the counter in at all. For Diana's sake, if it really was only a couple seconds, just because it put so much... it, It made her the focus of so much negativity.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair.
1: Or maybe even to have done... save or some sort of unusual final thing but i I agree with your argument too that i feel like we're talking about like a death penalty case right now all
0: right well like you said we could we could talk about this back and forth forever but all right so we're gonna go we're gonna take a brief break right now and when we get back we are going to talk about our recreations from this week welcome back (laughs) um we are going to talk about our bakes from this week since i'm up first i will give uh we'll talk about my bakes so i decided to do the showstopper which is eight self-swashing puddings
1: oh do you mean the signature
0: uh, yeah not the showstopper the signature thank you i did the signature challenge and so i had two hours to make eight puddings and i was initially going to make a boston cream like mini boston cream pies Because a Boston cream pie literally has vanilla pudding in it. Mm. But that's not like really self-saucing. That's just a cake with pudding. And so I I misunderstood the challenge when I was initially planning this. I had to do a last second rewrite of what I was going to do. Like, oh shit. (laughs) And so I found a chocolate fondant recipe. But then I thought, you know, this isn't really special enough. Not enough going on here. So I decided to make it into a s'mores-themed fondant. Mm. And so what I was going to do was I was going to make this chocolate fondant, which would have a dark chocolate interior. I was going to make a graham cracker base and a marshmallow top that I would then char with my my new kitchen torch. Mm-hmm. All in two hours. Oh, God. <laughs> and this was far too ambitious. Kind of going in order of what I did. I, I made the fondant. And I don't have individual tins to make stuff like this in, and I wasn't gonna buy it just for this. So I used a muffin pan. Okay. And that actually worked out pretty well. To prep these muffin pans, it was brush all the containers with butter, freeze it. Once it's cooled down, get it back out, brush it with more butter, and then put cocoa powder around the edges of all of your containers. And you can actually see Ian doing this in the show. That's pretty much the way he prepared his containers as well. Mm -hmm. And I have to say it worked perfectly. I have never had, this was the least sticking to the pan thing I've ever made. And so I melted down the chocolate and butter and I put, you know, whisking egg whites and all of this. The only problem with this is there's no baking powder in it. There's no yeast in this. There's nothing to make it rise except beet egg whites. Oh, boy. And so I was really nervous that it was going to taste like a brownie. Would that be so bad? It wouldn't be so bad, but I was just, I was nervous. Because
1: mm-hmm. it's not what you're shooting for.
0: Right, because I'm still not 100% sure how this sauce is supposed to work. Right. And so I put it all together, and, and it's like, and it's mixed all this stuff together, and then you just stick it in there, and then somehow it's supposed to, make a cake with a sauce in the middle. But you have to you have to keep chilling it. It's very important for everything to be as cold as possible, like when it goes in the oven, when it does this, when it does that. I stick it in the oven. My recipe was supposed to make eight, but because I was using like smaller muffin tins, it actually made 12. My recipe was like, you can cook it 10 to 12 minutes. There's no way to know if a self-saucing pudding is done. Oh, God, yeah. Because you can't stick a fork in it, because if it comes out moist, that's kind of what you want. That's the point. And so I kept... You know, every couple of minutes I'd pull it out and I was like, well, it mostly looks so but there's so much fluid bubbling up around the top with like butter and things like that, that I was like, well, I don't want to tilt them out and them just collapse into fluid.
1: Yeah. And if it's underdone, then yeah, it's just going to go.
0: And so I kept leaving it for another minute, leaving it for another minute. And finally I was just like, we're just going to have to give this a shot. And so I take it out and I put a cookie sheet on top and turn the whole thing over, lift the muffin tin off. All 12 come out, not a one sticks. Ooh. It was great. And so I let them cool for a minute and then I, you know, take a test one, cut it in half. There's not a lot of sauce. Oh, poop. It's kind of stodgy. Solid. Yeah. Now, if you pressed it like they did with the people that they liked, you could get a little bit of sauce to run. (gasps) so i just left them in there too long i should have taken them out instead of cooking them 11 minutes should have been like eight and so that would have been fine the, and they were pretty good they, i mean it's dark chocolate so they're not especially sweet and this particular suppose was like serve it with raspberries or serve it with ice cream which i could definitely see so to go with my s'mores theme i made uh, my own graham crackers from scratch because i don't want anybody like accusing me of bringing my own fondant so um (laughs) so i made these and my husband helpfully informed me that graham crackers were originally invented by a man named graham who was a religious wackadoo who wanted people to be vegetarian and to stop having so much sex oh well and so he invented the graham cracker to apparently stop the sex what there's a lot of 19th century people who are making baked goods to stop sex Cornflakes were invented as an anti-masturbation thing.
1: Why? Why? It's good for you. Exactly. Particularly if you're male. It doesn't really do a whole lot if you're a woman except for make you a nicer person to be around. <laughs> like, But, like, you got to, like, clean out the system here and there. Things get backed up and weird.
0: Yeah. So, graham crackers actually use a thing called graham flour. But you can just use whole wheat flour if you don't have graham flour. And so I, I made this. I actually used the King Arthur flour recipe uh, after the, you gave them <laughs> such rave reviews last week.
1: Love King Arthur flour. Did it fail you?
0: I made these. Uh, it didn't fail me. I was running out of time. Okay. And so I don't think I rolled them as thin as I could have or left them in the oven as long as I could have. I ended up kind of having to rush this. But they actually tasted pretty decent. And so the goal was to, when you make... A graham crackers, you basically cook it as a big sheet and you put all the, okay. the honey and the sugar and all the stuff that goes into the cracker into it. And then after you've cooked it for maybe 15, 18 minutes, you're supposed to take it out and cut it into the, sh- into the crackers that you want it to be and then finish baking it for another 20 minutes. So what I did is when I took it out that first time, instead of cutting it into cracker shapes, I used a cookie cutter to cut out circles that were the size of my fondants at the bottom. And so when they kept cooking, I could just, you know, kind of take those and use those as the base. I was also making my own marshmallow. Jesus, man. And so marshmallow is egg whites that you fluff up as much as you can and get into, to stiff peaks. And then you put a, uh, a caramel, so basically melted sugar, a little bit of corn syrup, and gelatin together.
1: And you're trying to do this all in two hours.
0: Yeah. Now, there's a lot of stuff like this thing will be in the oven or this thing will be in the fridge, so you've got time to work on this other thing. And the marshmallow is not hard cuz most of it's hands off. Except I could not get my stand mixer to pick up these egg whites. No, oh, no. I couldn't fluff them up enough for the whisk to really catch them, and so the whisk would just like draw little circles in the top of the egg white. Oh. And so I eventually had to end up using like five egg whites instead of the two I wanted to, to just make enough egg white for it to start fluffing up. Well, while this is going on, my sugar gets too hot and it starts to go over a little bit. And so when I pour it into, but the gelatin's already in there. So it's like super claggy as I'm trying to mix it. So when I pour this into the marshmallow or into the egg whites to make marshmallows, it's like a light brown color. Oh. And so I taste it, and it doesn't taste bad. It actually kind of tastes like when you light a marshmallow on fire at a campfire and you blow it out.
1: Ooh, I love that taste.
0: It's kind of got that campfire taste, mm. which would suck, except that's kind of exactly what I was going for. Oh, hell yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, s'mores. Yeah. So my big idea was these fondants are, have a big circle on the bottom, a smaller circle on top. So I was going to do like a peak of marshmallow like a meringue cookie and then like blowtorch the top of that marshmallow doesn't pipe into a set shape interesting and marshmallow that you put on a warm cake is going to melt Oh no! and so it started like i started piping it and it wasn't keeping the shape of the icing tip and nor was it and then it would start melting down the side a little bit did
1: you say a whole lot of dirty words
0: well, I was just like, I, at this point, I was just laughing at it, and oh, I yeah. knew I wasn't going to make time, and so I was just like, let's get eight of these done in a decent way, and so by the time I had eight of them done that looked pretty good, it had a marshmallow top on there that I had blowtorched a little bit extra to give it a charred spot on there. I had not gotten the graham crackers done, so with my extra 20 minutes that I had ended up taking, I finished my graham crackers attached them to the bottom using some extra marshmallow as glue cuz I, I mean it's marshmallow it's sticky
1: heck yeah you actually made glue but
0: the first one i u- the first one i did i used way too much marshmallow so i stuck it there it started to melt between the hot graham cracker and the hot cake and it just oozed all this marshmallow <laughs> and you know getting marshmallow into a frosting bag talk about sticky i had uh, i was just everywhere but I was like, well, what can I do to kind of class this up since it's just like a little lump of marshmallow on top now instead of an actual pyre.
1: I love that you're still trying.
0: With my leftover graham crackers, I, I used like a little half inch cookie cutter. And I made, I took little cookies out of that and like propped them up to give it a little bit more height in the top of the, the marshmallow to kind of give it a, a cookie kind of effect yeah. between the two different ones. That sounds
1: really cute, actually.
0: So they ended up being pretty cute. I personally didn't like them. Mm,
1: They weren't, oh man, so much work.
0: Uh, You know, it wasn't a lot of time, but it it was a lot of work. Yeah. And so, you know, I I bit into it and I was like, no. Mm. I actually planned to like drive these around and deliver them to people as kind of like a New Year's, you know, between the holidays kind of nice gesture. And I was just like, nah. (laughs) And Dale, Dale ate a couple and he's like, they're fine. I was like, yeah, it's just not what I wanted it to be. Yeah. I took them to work and they mostly got eaten. You know, a couple people like they were, they tasted good. But I don't know, to me, it was just, it was a lot.
1: Yeah. It was a lot for not the return that you hoped for. I'm familiar with that feeling. As uh, like, just to recap, I've had a lot of failures since we started doing this podcast. So I know exactly what you mean. Yeah,
0: and as it was starting to go downhill, where it's like, well, at least I can join Megan on the that-didn't-go-as-planned train.
1: Yup. Like, uh, my flambéed cinnamon bread. (sighs) Like, the most burned bread in the world.
0: But I completely understand, like, the the drive for the contestants when they say, oh, I'm gonna do all of these things, because you want it to be special, and in your head yeah, this all works. None of these things take a lot of time and there's a lot of downtime in each one of these, but maintaining the, the time limits necessary and everything like hitting as it needs to is challenging.
1: Timing was a huge thing in this episode. And I think in both of our, um, our bakes too, because like with your fondants and feeling like they were not knowing when they were done, when are they over, when are they not. And I like went ages past the time limit for what I did. And so time was definitely a major part of this whole enterprise.
0: But I mean I will say like this recipe taught me a ton.
1: Oh, tell me what you learned.
0: Like I learned like you can like that marshmallow is gonna melt. Like you can't pipe onto hot things. It doesn't matter what you're piping on there. If it's hot, it's going to melt. Hard stop period. When it comes to anything self-saucing, you've just got to trust your recipe and pull it out when it says it's done, even if you don't, even if it still looks like it's kind of fluidy. You know, I learned how to make graham crackers, and I thought that that part actually worked out pretty decently. I learned that you gotta take a keep a really close eye on your your sugar when you're making marshmallows, because otherwise it will burn, and there's nothing that you know can Can't pull it back, it back from that. No. I mean, it was just, it was a lot of like little things as I was putting it together. I was like, okay, well, I didn't know that. Now Now I do. do. (laughs) And, you know, your marshmallow and meringue are not the same thing. You can't pipe them in the same way, even though they're both white.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and like, it sounds crazy when you say it, but then it's like, why would you know that?
0: Right. I was like, oh, marshmallow is sticky. It should stay in its shape when I push it out. And it's like, nope. And and maybe a different marshmallow recipe would have, but I was adapting one from the Otolinghi, uh Sweeter Cookbook or Sweet Cookbook, which is used for the for the marshmallow inside like a s'mores cookie.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah. So it might be totally different. Hard to know. But at least you would know if you ever tried to do something like that again to make sure.
0: Right. And, and this was just, I feel like if I had practiced it a couple of times before I did it, I maybe could have gotten it down into time or would have figured out where the the hard spots were on this, but you know, I'm I'm usually just making these recipes one time, so that's that's where I landed on it. But I, I will say, you know, it really is true. You you learn more from your failures than your successes, that's and true. I I learned quite a bit uh, by doing this one.
1: Would you serve it to friends? I guess you did already. Would you make it again to serve to friends?
0: I wouldn't. Yeah, because I think that there are much better desserts out there. Mm. And I think that the only reason you would make this is to show off. Yes. Look what I can do. Right. When people cut it out, when the people cut into it and they're like, a fluid. Ooh. Yeah. And that's all there is to it. And I don't know. I can't imagine that it keeps very long because things are going to get absorbed into the sponge or they're going to solidify. And it seems like a gimmicky kind of thing and not (laughs) something that I.
1: That's actually good.
0: Yeah. Yeah and and Richards was like black forest inspired I was like well why not just make like a black forest cake which is like is delicious really awesome. so I, I i wouldn't i thought i think it's too finicky and and not not something that i'm interested in studying yeah
1: fair enough so that also answers the would you bring it to the event and would you make it again no no and no
0: no but you know it was it was an interesting thing to make and like i'm glad i've done it but it is, it's a weird thing. It's not something we see around here very often. So I'm glad to have done it and have learned some things to put in my back pocket that 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 butter, butter, cocoa powder, getting things out of a tin mm-hmm. trick is, was worth the price of the whole bake. But yeah, I'm, I'm ready to move on to other things. For sure. So what about you? How was your bake this week?
1: For this week, I decided to go big and do the showstopper because... I actually knew what a Baked Alaska was before, mostly because I've lived in Alaska and worked for a houseware store in Alaska, so I came across it. And the idea kind of excited me, and I had a co-worker who had done one and said, it actually wasn't that hard if you had plenty of time. And so, if we're playing by the rules in what we talked about in undertaking this project, I technically did not have plenty of time. So, I kind of made the decision going in that I was going to cut myself slack somewhere because at this point I had two in-laws and my mom visiting, taking care of a baby, et cetera, et cetera. And I just did not want to push myself over the edge to where I started screaming at people. At some point something was going to give. And I'll I'll tell you what that was in a little bit. I had to fuse two different recipes. And as you know, I have a giant hard-on for Dory Greenspan. So I went with her recipe for Black and White Baked Alaska because it was, in my cookbook collection, the only book that had a Baked Alaska recipe. And that's from Baking Chez Moi. And it's her Black and White Baked Alaska, which is called an omelette norvégienne in France. First served in the 1800s. And so the Baked Alaska is a three-part affair. You've got the layer of cake the layer of ice cream, and then a thick topping of meringue. And the dessert is assembled, frozen, and then baked at a super high heat so the meringue meringue browns. This is the biggest way that this recipe differed from what the people on the show did. On the show, everybody had a blowtorch. I got partway through the process and realized that I had no fuel for my blowtorch and it was New Year's Eve. So I wasn't getting any blowtorch fuel that day. And I'm pretty sure you can't buy that on Amazon because that seems like it wouldn't be legal. So I ended up having to bake it at 500 at the end, which means that if I had played by the rules time-wise, it would have been a puddle, no question. And it was New Year's Eve and I had been working on it for like the last eight hours. So that would have been bad. I would have cried. (laughs) The way she does this is interesting because, and I thought it was important, the Baked Alaska basically has to be served frozen, right? Right. A frozen sponge does not sound good to me.
0: Oh, right, yeah.
1: And nobody ever comments on that during the show, but like a frozen, like a fatless sponge, I mean, that doesn't sound good at all. And so... I like that Dory Greenspan uses a different kind of cake that holds its flavor when frozen, which she even comments is true of very few cakes. The recipe is from her friend Helene Samuel, and it's a flourless chocolate cake made with bittersweet chocolate rather than semi-sweet. So it has a strong chocolatey flavor, and it's really a fallen souffle with a brownie-like texture. It's super dense and chewy, so at at any temperature, it's going to have a nice, It's gonna work
0: Yeah, and that texture seems like it would go well with ice cream
1: And it did You start, I centered a rack in the oven Preheated to 325 I buttered, and by buttered I mean panned A springform pan and lined the bottom with parchment I did not dust with flour I just didn't want flour on the outside of my cake So I decided to live dangerously and it worked I separated three eggs Three yolks and a whole egg went in one bowl and three whites went in the bowl of my stand mixer. This is where I started trying to figure out how many eggs I needed for various things, and that got a little confusing. At this point, I kind of stopped working on the cake and switched to the ice cream. Now, uh, here's a dirty secret. In this ice in this uh, Alaska recipe, they call for premium ice cream, your favorite flavor. They did not they were not suggesting from scratch. They were just said, you know, Soften up something you got from the grocery store. And much like you, I thought Mary Berry would not think that I was the cat's meow if I brought some Publix premium ice cream to the party. <laughs> so I went digging in my recipe collection for something else. And I thought with that brownie-like texture that I was between a couple of things. There's a toasted coconut ice cream. There was a peanut butter ice cream. And there was a coffee. And I ended up deciding to go with the coffee ice cream, even though it did make my job a little bit harder. Here's your math. I needed a total of, let's see, I needed three egg whites for the meringue, I needed three egg whites and a whole egg for the cake, and I needed... Five egg yolks for the ice cream. I'm serious. This took longer than any other part of the process of me just standing, like, trying to figure out the math of this. And I still can't tell you. And anyway, I messed up some of the mar- uh, some of the egg whites, so I had to use more than that. I think I probably ended up using, like, a dozen. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, that sounds like nine or ten.
1: Yes, exa- it, was, it was absurd. So, I kind of abandoned the cake for a second and switched to the ice cream. Because just like on the show, you've got to get your ice cream cooled in order to make it. And in the show, it seemed like they had ice cream makers with a compressor, and that would have meant they had a refrigerating unit in their ice cream maker. I do not have that. I have an ice cream maker where you freeze the canister overnight. It needs at least 24 hours, and then you can do one batch of ice cream with it, which is fine. It's plenty. The compressor model, like what they were using, where I sold them at the houseware store, they were like two or three (laughs) hundred dollars. Yeah, so that's pretty fancy. You can make gelato with those, which is neat. And it's why they were able... Because as I was watching, I was like, how did they make a custard and then freeze it in under five hours? And the answer is that there was a refrigerating unit in the ice cream maker so they could pour a warm custard into it. Whereas if I had done that, it never would have frozen. It would have just warmed up my canister. Oh, okay. In my defense, I did... I used way more time, but I had to make the ice cream, cool it completely in the refrigerator, then put it in the frozen canister. And that took a while. In order to make the coffee, and a brief plug for my favorite ice cream cookbook, uh, this is The Perfect Scoop. I have the revised and updated version by David Liebowitz. He's amazing. I love him. He and Dory Greenspan should get together and be friends in my head because they're both American expatriates living in Paris, and they both write about Paris and Parisian food, but neither of them are Francophiles in a way that I find irritating. It's more like, here's a cool thing they do in France. Not like, I love France. It's so much better than where you are right now. And so it's, they're they're pretty cool. I, I love them. I want to be their friends. I've had more success with his ice cream recipes than I ever have before. I got really into making ice cream for a while. And I've had a lot of failures. I've made a lot of scrambled eggs. Because you're supposed to make a custard. And I avoid making custards for a very different reason from you. I avoid them because I've made a lot of scrambled eggs. The process starts, you warm up milk, sugar, whole coffee beans, and I use the good ones, a pinch of salt, and some cream in a medium saucepan. And once it's warm, you cover it, and you move it off the heat, and let it steep at room temperature for an hour. So I, like, played with the baby, probably. Once it's steeped, because that's what's pulling all of the flavor out of your coffee beans, into the fat of the milk. Mm -hmm. So... You rewarm this mixture, and then while that's warming, you put a cup of cream in a large bowl, set a strainer on top. In another bowl, there are so many bowls used in this recipe, you whisk together the five egg yolks. So you've got egg yolks sitting there. Egg yolks make scrambled eggs. Here's the thing. At this point, you're supposed to pour the warm mixture into the egg yolks, and you mix so fast and so constantly that the egg yolks do not have a chance to cook. This is where I always go wrong. So <laughs> instead of pouring from the pan, which is what I'm tempted to do because I don't like this. It's heavy and I want to get it over with. I took ladlefuls and like did the like tiniest drippy drops from the ladle while whisking until my wrist went numb. And somehow I did it this time. I got all of that coffee mixture with the coffee beans in it into the egg yolks. And I think that the coffee beans actually helped because they continued as i was whisking the beans were in there and i think they helped to agitate the the yolks some more maybe anyway so it's the most successful custard making experience i've ever had and i'm very proud of myself so you pour all of that back into the saucepan and you're heating it so again you're pulling that coffee flavor out of the beans as you heat it up until the mixture thickens up and can coat the spatula at that point You've got your thickened cream mixture. You pour the whole kit and caboodle into your strainer, which, remember, is sitting on top of the extra cream. So that's almost all of the ingredients, including those coffee beans, going through the strainer. Well, excuse me, no, the coffee beans sit in the strainer. Everything else goes through. And you end up with just your ice cream base, which by then is like sort of a very lightly tinted tan. Um, You add a little bit of vanilla, and some finely ground coffee, just like a quarter of a teaspoon for little flecks of coffee throughout. All of that goes into a bowl and gets chilled in the refrigerator so that it can come to a temperature where I can put it in the ice cream maker. So all of that's going. Now it's time to go back to the cake. I don't remember it at all how I made this. That's fine. I could sum all this up. I made this cake in a dream state. I have no idea how I made it. I know that it involved a double boiler, a whole lot of eggs, some cocoa, a fuck ton of butter. And somehow it came together and I poured it and it was fluffy because I put the egg whites in into a springform pan. I baked it for 35 to 40 minutes and it came out done and it was like puffy on top. And I waited for it to cool a little bit, and then I took the springform pan off, and it collapsed. But that's a good thing, because it's supposed to collapse. And when it collapses, it makes a little bowl, and that's cool, because guess what I need to put the ice cream in?
0: Yeah, that's really handy, because it gives it, if it starts to melt a little bit, it's going to just pool right there.
1: Exactly. So... I like, let's just go by this point. I'm ready to run the ice cream maker. So I run the ice cream maker and it, it comes together nicely. It's looking like ice cream and it's firm enough that I can just scoop it straight from the ice cream maker into the cake, which I've had cooling. In, I actually went ahead and stuck it in the freezer so to cool a little bit faster. So I've got my cold cake and I put my cold ice cream into it. And then I put those two things back in the freezer to set. It doesn't look domed and pretty like a lot of the ones on the show looked. But, you know, I was okay with it because everything was going pretty smoothly by that point. And it had to sit in there for a good long while. And while it did, I went ahead and put a meringue together. And I had to look it up, but it turns out I made a Swiss meringue.
0: I was just about to ask.
1: You start out whisking your egg whites and sugar on the stovetop over a double boiler. And then I moved that to the stand mixer and used the whisk to really whip it up until I got those stiff, glossy peaks. And it looked really pretty and marshmallowy, and it was exciting. You whisk it in the stand mixer until it's cool to the touch. So then it was cool enough that I could put it onto my alaska so i took a picture at this point at the four hour point because the ice cream was on the cake and it was in the freezer and that was when my challenge would have concluded like that's what i would have served to the judges because (laughs) i like i said i had to let something slide and apparently the thing i let slide was time because i was like i'm not I'm, i'm not going to like be a hot mess over this I can't do it and but so I got a great product but with the full knowledge that it took me probably about seven to eight hours and they did it in four
0: yeah and I mean I think that that's why this was more challenging than really they could have done but four, four just over that is usually the maximum amount of time they ever give them and so it was
1: not enough time
0: Yeah, they wanted to try this, but it really wasn't.
1: It was a shit show. There's a reason why this is one of the episodes that stands out in people's minds as being particularly rough. Right. Yeah, like it was not, not enough time. And I read somewhere that they have someone go through and do the challenges before they pose them to make sure that they are practically achievable. Like that someone could, in theory, do this thing. But I really doubt that they did it on the hottest day of the year. When they yeah. through it. Yeah. I don't think it. I, I really. No.
0: In a test kitchen somewhere. Sure. Why not? hmm
1: But no. Not there. Not on that day.
0: So. All right. So you've got all that. Mm-hmm. You know. It's all set. You've got I your meringue made.
1: Pipe, I did not pipe my meringue. Um, okay. Because I kind of like the way it looks with like the swirls of the knife. So I just went ahead and I took my little spreader and dolloped and spread and then did nice little swirls all over. And my oven had preheated to 500 and it was a little scary, but, oh yeah, I forgot. I stuck it back in the freezer yet again. This is a very freezer heavy bake to, to let it set for a second and get as cold as I could possibly get it. And right before I was ready to serve, I had the oven at 500 and scary moment of scary moment. I put my delicate ice cream filled frozen dessert into an oven that's basically on broil. And it took like maybe a minute and a half when I could start to see it darkening. And I went ahead and pulled it. And at the very tips of the meringue, it had caught just a little bit. And I had a moment where I was like, I burned it after all that. And no, I didn't burn it. It was okay. And then we served it up to, let's see, it would have been five people, which is the largest number of people I've had available to eat one of my bags. And we still only (laughs) ate half of it. I gave the other half away to a friend. It was delightful. The cake was great. The ice cream was great. To me, the meringue is total overkill. The meringue makes it pretty.
0: Well, the meringue's an insulator to keep it together, you know, for the little bit of time that it's out of the oven. You got it.
1: But what I took away from it was, this is amazing cake and ice cream. (laughs) But that's not really the point.
0: What a classic combo.
1: Yeah, I know, right? The meringue, I don't know. It's just, it's too sweet for me. And so I didn't really enjoy that part. Like, I think I said earlier that after eating it, I was like, this is great. I will definitely make this ice cream again. I will probably make this cake again. Don't think I'd do meringue on it again. Because it was just like, I had to go brush my teeth. And I wanted to drink a whole lot of water.
0: Well, And it it sounds, you know, like we've said with a lot of things this week, if you wanted these flavors or these combinations together, this is... Kind of a more finicky way of doing it. If you want cake and ice cream, it would have been much simpler to just make these separate instead of trying to combine them into one dish. Very similar to the the tiramisu cake.
1: It felt very fancy. I will say that for it. It felt like if my daughter ever asks for that, it's going to be her special birthday thing and I'll serve it to her little friends and like it will be a gesture of great love that I was able to put it together. It's not like something you do. It's a showstopper. It really is. Like, it it really is the point of a showstopper, which is to make somebody's jaw drop a little bit. But you kind of have to explain to somebody that... Mine didn't look fantastic. Because it didn't have piping. It didn't have all that fancy rosette stuff. I don't know how the hell they did that in that amount of time. (laughs) But that's one of those things where the people on this show blow my mind. Because they're not professionals, and they're still somehow staying that far ahead of the curve. It's crazy. That said... They did sponges, not soufflés.
0: So, I mean, it sounds like it worked out pretty well. Yeah. Uh, is there anything uh, that you learned from this bake?
1: Uh, that I'm capable, but that I guess I learned something in terms of the challenges that we're doing, which is that I am probably going to err on the side of didn't finish in time and that's okay. I'm going to make sure it turns out well so that this isn't something that makes me throw it across the rim. I don't want to pull an Ian.
0: Yeah, no, and I, I completely agree. That's why I'm... I I did the same thing with my bake, just on a much smaller time scale.
1: I think that I could see myself pulling an Ian or, like, screaming at my husband or something like that. Like, because the stress really is so great. And it it seems silly. Why would you be so stressed about this? It's cake. But. Oh,
0: I get so upset when my, when cooking or baking doesn't go right. Mm -hmm. I completely, I'm right there with you.
1: And I don't want to be that person. Which is why I wouldn't want to be on the show. I, I love doing this. Wouldn't want to be on the show.
0: Right, and you, you already did serve this to friends. Would you bring this to an event?
1: It was, it was a lot of work. It would have to be an event in my home, which would never happen because my husband's an introvert. I guess no, and not because it wasn't good, but because it was really, really hard to do. And I feel like transporting it anywhere would be a nightmare.
0: Oh yeah, I, I, I bet. Yeah. It, <laughs> never know. And. Never, never.
1: Not in a cooler, no.
0: And you said that you would make it, again, potentially for maybe your daughter's birthday in the future or whatever, but it would be a super special occasion sort of thing.
1: Yes, you are queen for the effing day because (laughs) mom made you this. And she must really love you a whole lot because it is a bitch. But, But it was good. That said, I will make the ice cream component of it again probably within the month.
0: Okay. And I think that that's fair. I, I think that especially as we do more and more of these challenges, I think that we're starting to see that this is just elements being put together in various different ways. Yeah. Definitely. And so we can definitely take like pieces of this that worked out well. Like, you know, I th- the most successful part of mine was the graham cracker. Well, mm. I can make those now. I, I had no idea it was so simple. You'd be such a good so. dad with the graham crackers
1: (laughs) i actually kind of want that recipe
0: uh yeah Uh, i was like i mean definitely look it up and, and we'll post it uh with the the pictures on instagram but um
1: our sad pictures i'll post a picture of what it looked like at the time limit to you know be honest about how things would have gone down not like look at me look at my fabulous bake but i'll also post a picture of it being all pretty
0: yeah, same here. So is there anything else that you wanted to say about your bake or this week in general?
1: Had a good time. It was amazing.
0: Yeah. I, You I know, really I, proud. I liked dessert week. I didn't think I was going to, but I kind of got into it uh, once it was all doing. And I'm super impressed with your baked Alaska.
1: Oh, thanks, buddy. I think that your s'mores fondants would have been delightful no matter what you say.
0: <laughs>
1: I like burned marshmallow, so I would have been about it. Love some carbon. Yeah.
0: Thank you all for listening this week. If you like the show, please tell a friend or give us a rating or review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening. It really does help people find the show. You can also reach out to ask questions and let us know what you think at the gingham altar show at gmail.com you can also find out more about the show and see pictures of our attempted bakes on instagram at the handle the gingham altar show our theme music is cheery monday by kevin McCloud at incompetech.com licensed under creative commons by attribution 3.0 license all these details and more can be found in the show notes each week
1: thanks for listening until next time this is megan
0: and this is mac
1: wishing you a lovely bake.